What's up, Riz Nation? Welcome to the show. We tried our best to have everybody on here. We really did, guys. We got uh, we got myself, we got Isaac on here today. David's not feeling too well today, but we had to make sure we get into the breakdown of game two in which the Grizzlies won against the Lakers, uh, 103 to 93. Uh, it was a great game, great atmosphere in the grindhouse for sure. Uh, Isaac, sort of, what are, what are your initial thoughts, your initial takeaways from from game two? Yeah, man, it's it just night and day. I, I think if you look back at game one, it just feels like the Lakers were the more prepared team. Um, I, I think the Lakers kind of, um, the, not the Lakers, I think the Grizzlies kind of took the Lakers role players lightly. Um, I think their game plan was if we stop AD and LeBron, we'll win this game. And they dared the role players to beat them, and they beat them. Uh, 52 points from Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves combined just really uh, did a number on them. I mean, in that third or fourth quarter, um, it was something that we saw Rears ugly head in that game. We saw all year was the overhelping. Uh, double and triple team of LeBron far, far out from the basket, and they just continued to, to milk that. LeBron get the basketball. Uh, they double team him, pass out to a wide open Reeves, and Hachimura, man, they really just chopped him up in the pick and roll and did a fantastic job in that third or fourth quarter. Uh, but Going into the second game, man, you could just tell from the onset, uh, just much more attention to detail. Uh, they made it a point to, to push the pace when, whenever they had the opportunity to. Um, and, and the biggest difference, and I just mentioned it a minute ago between game two and game one, was the point of attack defense. Uh, they did a much better job of staying home, not double teaming, double and triple teaming LeBron uh, when, when they didn't need to. Um, and, and they really had a, a more concerted effort on Austin Reeves. Um, I think he had 20, 23 points in the first game, only had 12 points. In game two, uh, really, really did a much, much better job on him. And pretty much everything that we kind of talked about in our sports ethos space that I wanted to see the adjustment to make, they pretty much made all of them. Uh, so uh, we'll get into it a little bit more here uh, in a second. But, I mean, I think a fantastic game plan by Taylor Jenkins. And we always talk about Taylor Jenkins and, and whether he's going to make adjustments. And I feel like he he did some really good things um, in game two. And I feel pretty good, man, about going on the road here, going into game three. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things was this the level of urgency coming out in the second game. And obviously, yeah. you get more energy in game two when your back's up against the wall. But, yeah. you know, I, one thing I wonder is, did watching that play-in game against them playing against Minnesota change the way they came out in game one? You know, I, I wonder if that had been a more competitive game do you get a little bit more effort and from a game scheme, uh, you know, a scheming perspective? Like, I just wonder how much went into their evaluation of that playing game, because it seemed like, I mean, if you're looking at the game plan from game one and you're looking at the level of urgency from game one, it seemed like they didn't watch anything else but that playing game. It just kind of went to rolling. Yeah. Um, so shout out to my guy, Dez. He calls uh, Taylor Jenkins tape delay. Um, and I think that might be what we, what we saw here, um, Taylor Jenkins <laughs> does take a little while to while to adjust at times, and I think they saw what they need to see in Game One, and I think they made the adjustments because I, I talked about going to this series, and I felt like Taylor Jenkins had a big advantage over Darvin Ham, and that was one of the Grizzlies' biggest advantages going into the series, and that wasn't the case at all. I think he got out coached by Darvin Ham in Game One, no question about it. But like I said, going into Game Two, man, just a a much better plan uh, for these guys. They, I wanted them to get the role players involved, and they really did that in a big way. Now, Luke Kennard and David Roddy were good defensively in game one, but they got the offense going in game two. You got six threes, 
knocked down between those two guys. Also, Kennard got back to to the playmaking uh, that we wanted to see, um, especially with Jai out. I knew they, they were going to need that. And shout out to Jitty. Um, I said going into that game that they might have to steal some minutes from Jitty. I didn't even think we'd see what we saw. I mean, blocking AD twice, uh, one big block at the rim, man. I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card no, going into that game. That's That probably makes up for the whole season. Uh, if, if, if you could get that kind of effort out of him, man, he just – came in and made the effort plays and you just don't, you don't need him to to really shoot the basketball that much or do anything, man. Just come in, play some defense, get some rebounds, but block some shots. If you have that opportunity to, and he can be a plus for this team. And he was definitely able to do that. But I think the big, the big thing in this game, man, Xavier Tillman senior, man, you got to put the senior yeah. on there after this performance, 22 points, 13 rebounds. I said he needed to get more involved offensively and he did that in a big way. And one of the reasons why they was able to do that is because, they were pushing the basketball. They was getting AD on a move. He wasn't able to just sit back there and be the single center fielder that he was in game one where the guys just go to the rim and he's just standing there blocking their shots. They got him moving around a little bit. And Xavier Tillman was able to to get his shots off, man, and career high, 22 points, just always ready, man, stepped in, big-time game for him. And um, they did a fantastic job on AD uh, between Tillman, um, Jared Jackson Jr., and also Dylan Brooks was on him at times. Uh, did a good job only had 13 points, nine rebounds. And they've done a good, even in game one, they did a good job. Anytime he's been one-on-one, he hasn't, he hasn't fared well. He, he's got most of his points off of transition, offensive rebounds when he's on the move. When he's had to go one-on-one, man, they've done a pretty good job on him. He was 4-14 in game two. Yeah. One thing I noticed that they did too, game plan wise, was they, they had him in the pick and roll, but they had, him they they have the shooter involved like a shooter a, a yeah. and it forced ad out to the perimeter yeah i think that was smart because there were a whole lot of plays where ad was out in the perimeter one play that comes to mind jared just just decimated poor jared jared vanderbilt who's the only <laughs> who's the only guy at the paint at the time to try to protect the rim and it, there was absolutely nothing vanderbilt could do with jaron um but and i you, you notice more plays like that um there were even plays where they had AD directly defending Jaron and Jaron was in the corner. So it wasn't as much of a dominant pass the post feed 13 type of game from the Grizzlies, but to some extent that not to a lot of extent it played to their advantage just because it took, it allowed for the others to it allowed for down uh, downhill days and it allowed for Tillman to be able to eat a little bit more offensively and for them to feature him kind of in that post game. Maybe it's not Jaron, but Tillman was able to eat because of that. And um, really the whole team, Tyus was able to get a couple of floors. It wasn't an efficient game for him, but um, you know, just there were more opportunities and they had more offensive variety. There was less, um, you know, because in, in game one, it was pretty much just pass the ball along the perimeter. Somebody attempted to go in the paint, CAD, and either get scared and pass the ball back out or you like get blocked pretty pretty much. Like that was, <laughs> those are the only <laughs> outcomes. And this really allowed for, for more versatility within the offense with the Grizz, which the Grizzlies absolutely needed. Yeah. And you mentioned that versatility. Uh, this team has absolutely evolved over this season. I mean, and I, I'll talk about this a lot. You go back. Early in the season, in the last year, this team was pretty much strictly their their success was based in getting offensive rebounds with Stephen Adams, getting second chance points, uh, and scoring in the paint because they didn't have the shooting. And in order to match teams that that did shoot the basketball well, they get extra possession, and that's how, how they would score outscore them. But this team evolved. Uh, we we saw Jaron emerge in a half as a half uh, more of a half court option. When when Ja, ja was out during that time, 
they added Luke Kennard and the shooting really went up and this team was 11 in the league um, in, in half court offense the second half of the season and that versatility was on full display I mean game two they could just win in different ways now because they have shooting they have different guys um, they can put on the ball for his playmaking like Kennard um, Jared again is, is a guy now that you can throw the basketball down to if you need to in the paint didn't have the 31 points that he had in the first game but still had 18 um, uh, had nine rebounds and had three blocks so he's still out there doing his DPOY thing. And like you said, man, him being out there really helped Tillman get off offensively. And he's the Jared still second on team and plus minus in the game still had a tremendous impact despite not scoring the 31 points. And they didn't need him to, uh, I'm in this game, but you took, look at Tyus Jones, uh, not a big scoring night from him, only 10 points, but look at some of the other numbers, six rebounds, man. Anytime you can get six rebounds out of your point guard, you yeah. definitely like that. Eight assists, only one turnover. So that's typical Tyus Jones, man, five years in a row, that he's led the league and assist to turnover ratio. Uh, one one thing that I, I've noticed that is Bain really hasn't gotten off in this series, and I think that's a dangerous thing for the Lakers going forward because mm-hmm. and you look at game one, and, and if you hear Lakers fans saying, oh, well, we blew, blew them out, blah, 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 that score was inflated. That wasn't a representation of what that game was, but I think it was a little bit under, under four minutes ago. That was a one-point game, and they just kind of lost it. Lakers got four or five runouts in a row and kind of, end up blowing that score up. That game was a lot closer than that looked. And I don't feel like the Grizzlies have played anything close to their their best basketball yet. And that's the thing that makes me feel good going on the road. I, I think we've seen probably the, the best of the Lakers. I think game one, that's probably about the best that they can play. And I, I don't I don't know. I feel like what the Grizzlies did in game two is repeatable. And some of that stuff that happened in game one for the Lakers, I, I don't think is something that they can do again. I mean, I don't think they're going to get – they might be able to win in other ways, but I don't think they're going to get 52 points from Rui Hachimura and, and all the reads. Or they really need those role players to step up because I just don't know if LeBron can do it consistently enough to to win this series. They they can, they can do it in spurts. Like, we, we saw LeBron with 28 points in game two, but it was a quiet 28. Like, it didn't feel like – that big of an impact on the game. Um, and, and if he's going 28, you anytime you hold AD down to 13 points and nine rebounds, man, you're gonna be you're gonna be in good shape. And looking back at game one, uh the Grizzlies shot 13 threes, and that's a really good number for the Grizzlies. But the Lakers hit 16. They also got our rebound 11 on the boards in that game. Man, they get they won both of those in, in game two. Um uh, hit four threes and they won the rebounding back. Too, which is something that I didn't think we'd ever see in this series. I figured that in order to make up for that rebounding deficit, they'd have to to make shots. Um, and then that's kind of it puts the basketball. That's kind of how they could make up for that. And, and they did both in game two. And I think that's one of the big reasons why they were able to come out and get a, a double digit victory. Yeah. Um. You, your phone. Your, your uh. Adio broke up a couple times in that, but I we pretty much got most of it. But what was interesting to me is that in this game, the the Grizzlies were actually less efficient shooting. Like they shot forty two percent from the field, and in game one they shot forty seven percent. It's just that the that the Lakers in game one shot fifty three percent, and in this game they shot forty one. So, like you said, to your point, you, you know, Dancing Bain hasn't really gotten going, and I actually want to come back to talk to that. But your most efficient players that night were Xavier Tillman, uh, Luke Kennard, and like you guess you count David Roddy, who was three of eight. Uh, he was three of seven from from the three point line. That's um, 
I mean, like you said, that's not really what you're expecting when you're when you're trying to game plan. If you're the Memphis Grizzlies, that's not what you're looking at. Dez was one of six from three, and yeah. at some point you got to get him going. Atias was was four of eleven. It it really was was still a struggle for them, and you know. We we expect Dylan Brooks to be inefficient, so just but uh but with the Dez situation, it is a long it's a growing sample size though of Desmond Bain not being able to perform well, specifically against the Lakers. And don't get me wrong, Desmond Bain has not played poorly, but let let's just say as efficient as we're used to Desmond Bain being, not only just from three, but even from you know, from from the floor. Is it, do you think that the length of the Lakers is bothering him at all? I did see they had Vando on him quite a bit um, in this, in particular for game two, um, since Ja wasn't on the floor. What do you think? He was on fire in the first quarter. He led all scores with 10 points in that first, all Grizzly scores with 10 points in that first quarter. But after that, he sort of really tailed off and, and really in the fourth, and I'm sure he probably was fatigued to some extent, but what do you think it is about this Lakers? Because he didn't play well against them in the regular season either. Yeah, the Lakers have been successful, I think, in kind of speeding him up. Um, he did do a, a a good job in the first quarter. I think he had like a 6-0 run, man. He was getting downhill, saw a lot of downhill days, but his shot certainly hasn't been falling um, in this series. Like you said, it was one for six in his game, and that that's not like him. Um, they, I think the league does bother him. Because like like I've always said that his arms are not going to grow. That's just something that he's going to deal with at times when teams kind of throw length at him. I think a guy like Vanderbilt can, can really bother him, just like you said, because of that length. But I, I got a feeling that he's going to break out of this, man. He's too good of a shooter because a lot of those looks are good. But yeah. He's just missing them. And I think it's a mental thing because once you get sped up, you kind of think you had, they have you thinking about things and then your shot's not falling. I got a feeling he's going to break out of that. But one thing that we have seen is road deaths. And I think maybe in these two games, he kind of breaks out. And I think that could be big for the Grizzlies to, to again, for in game one, uh, not a super efficient day as in this one, still able to get a win. If he goes off, if he gets 25, 26, 27 points, something like that, I, I think that really would help this offense. Because as you said, they didn't just really just go off offensively or anything in, in this game. I mean, they only scored 100, 103 points. That's a low number uh, mm-hmm. for, for the Grizzlies. Uh, so, I still think they have better basketball coming. Yeah. And, and so that gives, that encourages me to see them able to win a game like that. Uh, somebody else I want to mention, Santi Aldama. He didn't score in this game, but he came out the bench with seven rebounds, and they some of those rebounds were big. Uh, he also had some pretty good defensive possessions. And, and I didn't have a lot of expectations for him coming into the playoffs. We've even seen back in the regular season where – it felt like the lights were too big for him sometimes, especially on the road at Boston game on that Sunday. ABC kind of comes to mind where he really struggled. So I didn't really have any expectations in game one. Uh, he came in did that first inning and played pretty well. I, I was, I tweeted, I was like, uh, we really going to let him guard AD one-on-one. He actually did a pretty good job. Uh, came in, got some rebounds, knocked down a three, but then as the game went on, he kind of came back in the second half and he kind of really faded. And that's when, I was talking about how much they needed X offensively, and they got that going in in, in the second game because if Aldama's not going to knock down shots, you have him in the game against the Lakers to try to pull AD away from the basket, and if he's not knocking down shots, it's going to be hard for him to to play significant minutes out there. So, again, man, I, that's why I'm so glad that X, they finally got him 
on a move Jared was successful, helping him pull AD away from the basket and him to get his little hook shot in. And man, he was really able to play well in that game. Uh, going down back down to Dez, uh, he had 17 points, knocked down some big free throws, four or four from the line. And all the guys, Jared and Dez, man, really were poised, able to knock those free throws down, down the stretch to kind of close this one out. Uh, so it was a, a complete team effort. Uh, in this game, it wasn't really one guy at all going out outside of Xavier Tillman. Uh, just a lot of good things from from everybody. Um, and David Roddy, man, I've been really impressed uh, by him and his physicality in this series going up against LeBron. I think that LeBron doesn't like that physicality. He's not used to having that two hundred sixty five pound guy kind of out there banging with him, and I think that bothers him. And I, I, the, the, like I said, I mean, they just did a good job of being physical with LeBron and AD and, and AD really doesn't like physicality is you would think he would as big as he is and the kind of player he is, he, he can dish it out, but he doesn't like it when you're physical back to him. And he took that elbow, uh, kind of had a, uh, a swollen eye a little bit, man. It just seemed like he kind of checked out in that game down the stretch. He wasn't yeah. the same at all after that. And that's the thing that you get with AD and there, there are times where he take plays off and it felt like he kind of took that old second, second half off. Uh, at the, at the end of the game too. And the same thing with LeBron, man, I, I just don't know if these guys, because it, it, both of these guys, they, they, LeBron missed a lot of time down the stretch. Um, and even before the end, they were setting, setting them on back to backs. They're not used to playing all these games and playing 38, 40 minutes. And the thing about it coming up is after, after starting tomorrow night, these games are going to be every other day. And I definitely think that's the advantage Grizzlies going on in the rest of the series. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I, I think uh I think as a, as the as the game went on, they kind of went away from Davis, trying other things, trying other other players to get them involved. And 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 when that happens, you're gonna lose the engagement from AD. And that's pretty much what happened, especially down the stretch. And you could tell that he just sort of that checked out. Part of it is, yeah, they already got one game, so they got what they came for. The other part is, you know, if he's not actively getting touches and then you know him guarding out on the perimeter as much, that's just not the type of thing, you know, he likes to do mixed in when you mixed in the physicality with that, like you mentioned. Uh really funny about David Roddy, man, all of his shots were three pointers. Like yeah. the guy was three or eight and everything was from three point line. Uh that's not something you expect to see. And and David Roddy and the physicality he brings in, his ability to be physical on defense is going to be valuable anyway. But man, if those shots can fall, then that that just makes him three times as valuable, especially for this team, um, given it given their uh, ability to sort of really be efficient um that's sort of been a struggle and and I'm really curious to see how they're able to take this on the road like you said they haven't played their best ball at all I I don't even I don't even really think it's been close to to be honest I mean there's there's been no point no real stretch where I felt like outside of maybe the the first spurt from Dez maybe the first quarter maybe where I just say hey they got a clicking on offense you know um especially down the stretch. So you really hope that you can get a little bit more from Jaron offensively. I know he sort of tweaked his ankle in the middle of this game. Yeah. Played through uh, it and, yeah. He got banged up a lot, a lot. Uh, yeah, he had yeah. that situation where he fell on top of Roddy. looks like he had to win, knocked out of him. I think there was one other situation where he fell hard or something. And, and yep. so he was, he was battling through man, but still came out and had, had a really impactful game uh, right. for the team. And, and, and Roddy is kind of, in that Zaire Williams role last year, you had a rookie in Zaire playing playoff minutes last year. And I think Roddy has kind of stepped up for that. And he's knocking out threes. The moment doesn't look too big for him. And, and I kind of said that before it started. I felt like he was a guy that would come in and be able to make plays. And, and he's been able to do that. He's been a big boost for this team off the bench. And he definitely was 
in game two. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I'm not sure. I, I know role players tend to play better at home, so I'm not sure if we'll see that three-point ball fall the same way. But even if they brought him in and, again, bringing that physical defense, and if they can keep AD on the perimeter in the same way that they were able to in game two, then that'll go a long way for Dave Wright to be able to finish some of those looks because some of those were just kind of unlucky looks. Some of them were maybe he needed to focus a little bit more, make sure he finished on that particular play. Um but I think he will still be able to be a, a value add, even if that three ball isn't falling for him, um, just with being a physical body. Yeah. Um, if Luke Kennard can continue to bring him, I and mean, he he hadn't really, he's been pretty pretty good on the road. Um, he's helped him out quite a bit, so I expect him to still bring it again, man. Like you said, if Desmond Bain can, can get it, can bring it, Darren Jackson can bring it, and it's still a question about Jai and what that'll look like. I guess we can talk about that a little later. We're not sure. Yeah. I know uh, with Jaron being banged up the way he was, it, this I think this play too, this their advantage too, not just with Ja, but with Jaron being able to sort of rest up and let his body recover from a, from a really physical game from him. Yeah, and, and think about Kennard, man. He ought to be used to those rims, uh, playing with the Clippers. So he's familiar with the rims at yeah. Crypto, the depth <laughs> perception. So hopefully that's a positive, man. Hopefully he goes out there and balls out because those are familiar surroundings for him. The quarter look a little bit different because it's going to be the Lakers floor, but – uh, hopefully he can come out there, man, and, and hit some big-time shots because I think he's a big key to this team and their success uh, when he comes in offensively off the bench and even with his playmaking. I, I think he's a big part of this. Uh, but but what the, the big big story coming out of this game is something that happened after the game. Um, I think we might have a little bit of different, little bit of different opinions on this. Dylan Brooks, uh, we know the villain, uh, what what he does and. He always always has something to say, man, when they put a mic in front of him. And he called LeBron James old, said that he uh, like he looks at him as a regular basketball player, that he ain't dropped 40 on him, so he's not really concerned about him. Um uh, I, I don't have as, as big of a problem with it. When he first when he when I first heard it, I was like, man, Dylan, man, he can't can't get out of his own way. But when I thought about it, I think it was I think it was calculated. Um a lot of people think Dylan is this crazy guy? And he's just saying this stuff, and he doesn't know what he's doing. I think any any time he does this stuff, it's strategic. I think you saw him talking a lot when Ja was out going through his stuff that he was going through out a couple months ago, and I think he was saying all that stuff to try to take the heat off of Ja to make the story about something different. I think last night, uh, or other night, I think the reason why he said this stuff is I think he's trying to bait LeBron and try to get in his head, which from LeBron's press conference today, it looks like he has gotten his head. And if LeBron, I don't think LeBron, I think LeBron's a vet. He, I don't think he's going to play into this, the the mind games in a one-on-one. But if he does, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for the Grizzlies because if LeBron goes out there and tries to force offense and get out of the team concept, I honestly think that's better for the Grizzlies. If, if he's taking 30 shots, especially if they're jump shot down, he's getting to the rim and getting fouled. I, I thought some of your tweets, that's, you don't want that. But if he's trying to force offense and shoot jump shots, I think that's what you want to, if you're the Grizzlies. If he scores 40, but you stop everybody else and do a good job of doing like they did in game two, I think the Grizzlies will be fine with that. I, I just don't think that's the most efficient way at this point in LeBron's career for the Lakers to win. Him trying to go off and be and, and play hero ball, I, I don't think it's the best thing for them. Um, in the concept, I think game one is what they want to see. And, 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 and LeBron didn't even have a good game in that game. And that's the game they won. He scored 28 and they lost. And that's, and I, that's kind of a similar thing that I think would happen if he tried to go off and, and score 40. So it looks like Dylan, Dylan successfully got in his head. 
I guess there are all ways that it could backfire, but I kind of look at it on the other side of it. I know you're you're a little bit different on that. Yeah, no, no. So I disagree with a couple for a couple reasons. <laughs> one, I mostly the number one reason I, I disagree with it is because LeBron he has not played good defense on LeBron James. People think he's played good defense on LeBron James. He has not played good defense on LeBron James. He has one gotten in foul trouble in both games. He only played twenty two minutes this past game because he had five fouls, and then in in the last game I think he still had he had three fouls in that last game. So he, he still, it wasn't as much foul trouble, but so, so that's one. Two, LeBron's getting any shot he wants on him, basically. Like in the end of that game, they ended up switching Tillman on LeBron, not Dylan. Yeah, yeah, he did a good job. Tillman did a good job on him too. Tillman did do a good job. Darren did a good job. Like every other teammate, I saw Desmond Bain do a good job on one particular web. I, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to how much they had Bane on the ball. Yeah, I remember that play. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but but I saw Bane hold up really well against LeBron, and and it, and it resulted in you know no points on the Lakers end. So Dylan is the one who's gotten scored on most of most of LeBron's points have been on Dylan Brooks, and so there are plenty of plenty of All Stars that that Dylan has been able to stop Steph, Luca, Zion, and that he's had a leg to stand on. And if these were one of them. I feel pretty good about it. I honestly, I, I feel pretty. I, I still wouldn't like it, but I could respect it. I can't respect it because you're getting cooked already, and so, so that's that. That fear that that frustrates me enough. The other is, yes, it is possible that in the goal, it is strategy. I, I'm aware. I don't think he just said it to be saying it. I I know he had a a thought in mind and it was to bait LeBron, like you said, but two, I don't think LeBron's going. I just don't. Um three or or yeah, this is my third point now. Um the other thing is I think it makes a lot of assumptions, right? It assumes that LeBron can't get 40 and get his teammates involved. And I think that's far from the truth. We've already talked about the free throw disparity that's going to exist between the Lakers and the Grizzlies by itself he might have made lebron some extra friends um coming into the <laughs> arena he he might have the, the refs might be more likely to call a shot call calls for lebron than they normally are because oh he's fouling out he's fouling out tomorrow night yeah i, I, I call it right now he right. will foul out tomorrow night i'm sure and so that's 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 the other thing i'm like okay you're poking the bear that you won't even be able to fight cuz you're going to leave a potentially Heat LeBron on a heater for a Desmond Bain, for a Xavier Tillman, for everybody else to have to fight because you poked the bear. You're not even going to be able to, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Shout out to Kendrick Perkins. But, yeah. <laughs> Kendrick Perkins thing was absurd. Yeah, that is if you ridiculous, man. Kendrick Perkins took a picture of a shirtless Dylan Brooks. and I'm like, he, come on, man. He put, it, he put it in Honey on live TV. Man. Um, and this, and I don't know why they why they let him think that was a good idea. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what he was taking that more than he he thought he was about to cook. I guess he's like, man, I got something today. I'm like, man, no, bro, that that ain't it, ain't it at all, man. I bet you he ate that, honey. I bet you. Yeah, that's what people say. He ate it after after they went out there. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man. So for all those reasons and more, I understand what the goal is. But I just don't think it, I think there's a lot of backlash that can come from it. And there's little reward. Now, the one benefit that I do stand by is that you're right. It takes some heat off a of job. But I think you could have said some less disrespectful things and they still because that. So, for example, 
the last quote where Dylan had about I uh I wouldn't mind LeBron, that wasn't actually like a like that wasn't a shot. It was no, they they took that out of context. They, they tried to make it out of context. Yeah. So Dylan knows anything he says. You know, like he could have said something along those lines and it still would have made it into a quote unquote shot and it would have taken some of the attention off of Ja, but it also wouldn't have, you know, you know, it also, you know, wouldn't be poking the bear either. And, and even if you poke the bear, if you poke the bear, fine, be smart about how you poke the bear. And I, I just don't see the best, the best case scenario is that the Grizzlies win and Dylan can say, I told you so, but like, it's still a seven game series. So I just, I just don't see, you can still lose a series, man. So I just don't see how doing this at this time is, is really worth all of the, the heat and the potential backlash that can come from it um, at the end of the day. Yeah. And he did go on to say that you respect LeBron and all that. They're not going to put that part out. Of course. And I knew that I was like, nobody's going to talk about that part there. They're just going to put the part on there where he said that. So, well, he said, cool. man, we, that's because he disrespected it in the same yeah. like it's <laughs> because of the same sense he yeah, said. That's what I'm saying. You can't say you respect player. him, but then say he's old and he's 40. You can't, yeah. you can't yeah, that's a little I mean you you can say he said he respected, but did, does he really respect him after saying that? So No, in the same sense of the sentence was he's a legend, but when you got there on the court, you just <laughs> You're just a regular basketball player. player. Yeah. So I'm like, that's a you can't even really say he complimented him. I'm stu- I stood up for him when he called. I was like, y'all didn't include the fact where he said it's a good team with good players. Yeah. That was a genuine, like, you know, respect coming. This they was- call him a regular, he's a regular pedestrian, basically. Like he <laughs> called, called Shannon Sharp. So we, we'll see how, we'll see how it plays out, man. But I, like I said, Dylan's going to Dylan. There, there's no question about that. I don't think there's. You're not Dylan that hard. That's all I ask. <laughs> like, man, you can, you can say plenty of stuff and it ain't got to be that. Um, or, or just. He ain't talk like that against Steph. He would have had a case against Steph. He would have had a case against Steph. <laughs> um, but I don't understand, man. I I think he 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 he's trying to be the new Lance Stevenson. People are saying pretty much. Um, we'll see how this goes. It definitely puts a target on the Grizzlies' back for sure, and they're gonna be. Uh, I mean, they're already gonna be hated, but even more hated now that Dylan is is talking. Um. Weird quote though from Rui Achimura. Uh, yeah, man. I, like he he got called the Grizzly Young. Talking about they always talking. Like, what does he want? Like, I tweeted that out. How how you gonna call somebody young? You twenty five years old. You ain't never won anything either. So you can't be out there talking either. Like, yeah. I, I can see if somebody else, LeBron or. Or, or somebody like that would start saying that, but he can't say that. He's no different than anybody on this team. Dylan Brooks and those guys have had more playoff experience and won more than he has. Yeah, I was gonna say even if you wanted to count regular regular season wins and like Chris Yeah, was, like yeah, yeah, like Ruin, he done had two two good games in his career and he's coming out there talking like he's like he's doing something, man. And you got <laughs> also Reeves talking about I'm him on FedEx Forum floor. Like I knew they had to come out there and, and and deal with that, man. You can't have that guy out there saying I'm him. Like I respect this game. More than I did before, I, I admit that. Figured he, he was an all right player, but I didn't think we see what we saw in Game One, and hopefully we don't see that again. I mean, they did a much better job Game Two, but he ain't that. He's not the guy that we saw in Game One. He's out there talking about I'm him. But uh, <laughs> moving on to to Game Three, um, and talking about John Morant, Ramona Shelbourne um, had a tweet out uh, kind of on, on his status earlier this afternoon. Said John Morant was a full participant. In Grizzlies practice today, Coach Taylor Jenkins says he'll still be listed as questionable for game three Saturday night. As he went on to say, uh, Jenkins said Morant went through a non-contact practice, an individual workout that included dribbling and shooting. 
Um, it's just catching the ball that he's going to have to navigate. And it says Grizz will make a decision at game time. But Jenkins says Morant's hand is a lot better than it was two days ago. Um, didn't play, obviously, in game two. Uh, as of right now, do you think he goes tomorrow night? Um, I, I really, I really didn't know how to feel for it because I feel like there was a lot of positive things coming out before. Now it has been a while. So, you know, you kind of want to say, well, if they was a game time decision last time, they should surely bring him out this time. But if he still can't catch the ball the day before, it gives me a little pause. If it wasn't for that particular part of it, I'm not sure. I think I would say, yeah, he's going to come back and play, but I'm not sure if you want a guy who can't catch the ball because that's turnover city um out there and Jai did say that he feels like he's gonna be a liability for the team he's not gonna play I was pretty sure he's gonna play last game especially when he came out of his tech suit Um, it shouldn't shouldn't really be mean much but generally you kind of know if Jai's gonna play or not for the most part based on how he comes in his game yeah exactly uh most tech suits means he's going if he's wearing jeans or something else then he's not playing uh so he was in the tech suit I was kind of like okay well Jai playing confirmed and he and he didn't end up playing so Hard for me to feel confident. Uh, you would like him to be out there just to uh, because I think the one real advantage in having having Jai, not having Jai, and then having Jai again is some of the adjustments that you would want to make. Yeah, if you're Darwin Ham, it's, it just yeah. more difficult to account for because I mean it's a completely they play a completely different way of when when Jai's out there versus not and. Uh, whatever adjustments he may have made based off the last game or game one, none of them really apply because you haven't seen the full list of adjustments that Taylor Jenkins has to play on his end. Yeah, that, that's been one of my points uh, coming out of game two that I felt like could be a big advantage for the Grizzlies. Um, I'm like you, I thought for sure, once I saw the injury report come out uh, for game two and saw that he was questionable instead of doubtful, I was like, oh, yeah, he's playing. Then when he showed up in a tech suit, I was like, oh, for sure he's playing. And they say he shot around and tried to work out and then end up uh, ruling them out. Um, thought for sure that he would play tomorrow night. I was pretty confident. But that comment about him not being able to catch the ball, that's kind of interesting. I, I still, if I had to put Bunny on eyes aside right now, I would I would say he plays. Uh, but it's weird. You just never know with the Grizzlies. Uh, because you think if he was in a situation where he probably wasn't going to play, he would have been listed as doubtful for game two. So you mm-hmm. just never know with them, man. They're just weird with stuff, it, it can look a certain way and it goes the completely other way with them. So you never know. But if I had to pick right now, I'll say he plays. And, yeah, I've been talking about that for the last couple of days that I felt like that's a sneaky advantage for the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies have seen their full team for two games. where They've seen everything the Lakers have. Uh, they, they see one game where the Grizzlies kind of played out of character in game one um, and another game where Tyus Jones is starting and they're doing some things probably abnormal than what they usually do. You add John Morant back into this, that changes completely your game plan. And then they don't even know like what level John's going to be at or how much are they going to use him. And I think that makes things a lot more confusing for them than it does for the Grizzlies. Because I think the Grizzlies, like I said, have seen everything. And I feel like Taylor Jenkins as a coach has an advantage over Darvin Ham anyway. So I think that's kind of a sneaky advantage. But I've talked about this game three and how big it is. I feel like this game is massive. I tweeted out this morning that – if the Grizzlies win tomorrow night, I feel like they go on to win the series. This is the game that quote the Lakers are supposed to win. I mean, they're they're go, they're going home coming out of the loss. Uh, this is the first home playoff game that they've had. They're gonna have with a full crowd in, in a decade. Uh, they had the series back in 
2021 where they played the, the Suns and they lost to their first round series, but that was limited fans. It's been all the way back in 2012, uh, 2012-13, I think, the last time they've had a full crowd. So you know they're going to be fired up. You got Dylan supposedly giving them bulletin board material. You got AD coming off a, a bad game. This is the game. It also, this is the last game where the Lakers are going to have significant rest because it's every other day after this. So this is the one that they're supposed to win, quote. But if the Grizzlies come out there and win this one, I think that really gives them the momentum because at that point, Grizzlies up 2-1. They're going into game four on Monday night, and that's pretty much a must win for the Lakers at that point. And that would allow the Grizzlies to to play free or not with house money, so to speak. But all the pressure would be on the Lakers, and they can come out there and play free with a clear mind and and try to go up 3-1 and have opportunity to come home and close it out at five. So the Lakers definitely don't want that. So I feel like this game is huge for both teams. The Grizzlies, because the the, the deck is kind of stacked against them. When you look at those two games, game four is probably the one that you would probably say Grizzlies had a better chance of winning. If they can win this one tomorrow night, despite all those factors, I think that puts all the pressure on the Lakers. And I think you're in a really good spot at that point. Yeah, I do. I do completely agree with that. I, I will say I, I don't really, for all of those reasons, expect them to win game three. I think that they're going to take a game. I think it's more like that they take game four. I just think, uh, especially coming straight off of the back of those comments from Dylan Brooks, not that I necessarily expect Braun to drop 40. I think I just expect the refs to make sure the Lakers stay in this series um, more than anything else. And, yeah, so I'm going to come down to that. I don't know the condition of, of Jai and how he will be. Uh, I could see a world where maybe even they play him, and depending on how that goes, they have another sort of game plan they go back to. Um, now, I will say if they ended up doing something like that, if that completely throws the Lakers, uh, either way, I think it would be I, – I, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think you should at least try to play Ja because, you know, there's advantage we just talked about on the game plan. And then if you switch back to, you know, mid-game uh, – you know, Ty is not knowing if Ja's going to come back or not. It just sort of, you're Darwin Ham, it just kind of leaves you in limbo in terms of, in terms of your game plan and how you, how you proceed moving forward. So anyway, uh, it'll be a, but, but I agree because the deck, because I do believe that the deck is stacked against them and they managed to take that one anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like 100%. I think I'm, I'm not, I'm think I know I'm with you. Because uh, I don't, I personally don't expect, I expect them to take one. I just don't expect them to take game three. Yeah, and, and that's another thing. Because if you win game three, I think that has a huge effect on game four as well. Because that changes the Lakers' mindset. Because they're, I know that's that there wouldn't be a closeout game, but their back would be against the wall. Because they don't want to come back to Memphis down 3-1. That's not the spot that they want to be in. So, I mean, I, I think the Grizzlies have a chance because, I mean, they're, they're a good basketball team. And anytime they step on the floor, they have a chance to to win a game. But like you said, they have a lot of stuff working against them tomorrow night. And you even mentioned the refs. That, I didn't even mention that part of it. You know they're going to be out uh, to, to kind of help the Lakers stay in this series tomorrow night, especially with the Dylan Brooks stuff. They're going to be watching that closely. And I got a feeling Dylan going to pick up a lot of fouls tomorrow night. He's probably going to end up fouling out. This, this feels like a foul-out game. For Dylan, hope to, hope that's not the case. Yeah, but it's Dylan and friend, I just think they're gonna be calling foul. I think Austin Reeves is gonna Austin Reeves and LeBron James is gonna get any any contact. Is 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 basically I think how that's gonna go. Uh, it's not gonna be fair, but it's it's there's a target on their back, and like I said, the refs are gonna want to make sure LeBron has a good game. So yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're, I, don't, I don't think it'll be fair. 
Yeah, at the beginning of the game, I think it's the crowd's going to be into it. I think the Lakers are going to come out with a lot of energy, and I think they'll end up going up. The question is going to be, can the Grizzlies weather that storm? If, if you can weather that initial storm, don't get down by 18, 20 points, and it'd be one of those right. games where you can tell pretty much for the first quarter what it's going to be like. If they can weather that initial storm and make it a game into the second quarter and the halftime, yeah. I think they have a chance. I mean, it's all about closing at that point. But the Lakers, I got a feeling the Lakers are definitely going to come out with a big effort to start the game because you know LeBron's going to come out. He's he's going to want to have a good game. AD's taking a lot of heat for the game he had. He's going to try to come out. The refs are going to be inside. The crowd's going to be going nuts. And we talk about that role players play better at home. So some of those guys like Dennis Schroeder, who hasn't really gotten off, he struggles on the road, plays better at home. He he might have a, a good game. Some guys like Troy Brown Jr., uh, Ruiz will probably be better. So it, it it's going to take a, a big effort uh, for mm-hmm. them to come out of there with a victory tomorrow night. But like I said, if they do, I feel pretty confident at that point, man. The Grizzlies are in the, in the driver's seat, even if they went on to, to lose game four. I, I think at worst, if they win tomorrow night, this, this series goes seven. I, I think that would yeah. be worst case scenario because I can't see the, the, the Lakers winning uh, at FedEx form uh, – to go out and win, win in FedEx form, then win all those games in a row. I just don't see that happening. So tomorrow night's a big, man. I think that's a momentum swing game because this is a game that's kind of tailor-made for the Lakers to win. Uh, but again, man, I never count this Grizzlies team out, but I definitely think it's going to be tough uh, tomorrow night to go on and get that win um, on the road in, in game three. The good news is that the Grizzlies have a, a, a recipe, and that's just that their best players play the best. I mean, really, we haven't seen Bain, Jaron, and, well, job but i guess in the other case i'm not gonna say dylan i'm gonna say luke canard we <laughs> haven't seen all three of them <laughs> we haven't seen all three of those guys or, or really tyus really because i you know tyus didn't really have a scoring game and in la he's had one of his better games so yeah yeah, man, big guy, big just, game. yeah you just had those three guys you know play like we know they can and 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 i think that goes a long way and you get some you obviously gonna need some contributions from other from other players but um, that goes a long way to them, to them, you know, like you said, weathering the storm. If they are, if they go into halftime, I think it's actually better for the Grizzlies if they are losing going into halftime. I think they can make the adjustments and come out on the other end and versus, you know, we've seen them kind of lose leads down the stretch. Um, I actually feel better if they're like, if they're like under 10 or less going into halftime, I feel great about that. If you're the, if you're the Grizzlies, because like you said, that weather the storm, they stay within the game. They got plenty of opportunity to, to make a run and sort of really outlast the the Lakers because they they're going to be tired as they as things get down the stretch and if if you can just make things tough on them make things hard stay in the game uh, continue to be physical that that plays right into what the Grizzlies want to do and you can and I, that's that's the that's the way I for sure can see them overcoming some of the obstacles that they're going to have to overcome and they definitely do uh, they went zero two at crypto this year so they're due to get a get a win out there. I, I don't think they go 0-4 in crypto. So even if they don't win tomorrow night, I think they find a way to 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 win game four, man. But, I would, man, I would love to to get that win tomorrow night because, again, I just think that really sets up well for them to move on in a series, man. Before we get out of here, I do want to touch on Ja a little bit and if he plays, uh, what what the, ex- the expectations could be out of him. I think defensively, man, he's, he's regressed a bit. Uh, earlier in the yeah. season, we saw him with a more concerted effort on that end. But since he's come back, man, it, it, there has been some regression. And uh, we, we kind of talked about this on Twitter earlier. The let your man get get by you and try to 
come behind for a steal, that that type of defense is not going to work uh, in in the playoffs. Because, I mean, guys are just not going to respect you at all. They're just going to go right by you. And we kind of saw that in game one. And with, with Ja, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like, I still don't think he's there. I mean, they've asked him, is he back? And he still continues to say no. And yeah. I think there's several things going on with Ja. Yeah. I think if and, – and not that these are things that he needs to go back to. I don't know how you could get yourself right. But a lot of times when you're used to living your life a certain kind of way, like he's used to being the, the party guy going out, doing that off the court. And if you completely go away from those things, sometimes you're not happy. And if you're not happy and you're in a different space mentally, that affects everything in your life. Like on, on the basketball court, yeah. he just hasn't seemed to be that killer consistently that we've used to see. I mean, it just looks like even on court that he has something else on his mind. And I also think the him talking about how he sat back and watched how well the guys played and saw Jared emerge and, and, and Bain and what, what, the, what the guys were doing collectively without him. And he hears all this noise about it. he's heard this for years that this team is better when he's off the floor and he reads this stuff. He hears it and he can say that it doesn't bother him. And that's what he always says. But you know he's thinking about there's no way that yeah. that just doesn't bother him at all. And I think since he's been back, I think these really struggle with that on the court. I think mentally he doesn't know how to kind of integrate himself back in as being that superstar alpha male type player versus when he should defer to guys because Jared has really emerged as a guy that can carry this team. And we, we've seen that several times here over the last couple of months. And I just don't think he's 100% on how to kind of deal with all this stuff plus everything that's he's dealt with off the court. I just don't know if he's back into the right mental space yet. So it's kind of hard to know what to expect out of him uh, yeah. on, on the basketball floor. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, now that maybe he flips a switch. Who knows? Because uh, he can do that. We've seen, we've, you know, we've seen it in flashes enough to know that he can do that. It's just a matter of can he sustain that flip switch for a whole game or anything like that. Which it's almost like I mean, you you can tell he's he's working on his mental health because he's in a phase where he's more vulnerable. You can sort of see his yeah. he's a little bit more. It's more obvious. And really, I don't even think that he's elsewhere on the court. I just think he's overthinking everything on the court. Yeah. Uh, probably because he's overthinking a lot of stuff like in his life. And it's uh, the, the timing is really unfortunate. Um, It's a good thing, really, for his mental health, for him to be, you know, reevaluating everything. All of that's supposed to be a part of the process, but it it really sucks in a competitive type of environment. Yeah. Um, it, it's It's not great. And 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 it is he's gonna have to find the balance between being the guy that's that's confident and also being able to I guess to some extent like not not having to be a facade right because uh, I think like we're learning I mean obviously I think to some extent that the the, the confident guy the I'm not worried about anything guy was a, at least a little bit of an overcompensation because he <laughs> see these things like if that were true I don't think you would see him be this vulnerable yeah. now. Um, it doesn't happen from night to day, but just it just doesn't. I, I just think, you know. So he, so so it's really interesting to find out. Um, that I believe he can flip a switch. I do. I don't know if he can sustain that. But the defensive thing is real, man. The defensive thing is is I, I went back and looked at that film. At first, I was worried about his offense and him, you know, taking being a little bit more aggressive. He was super passive and passing out and really off the ball a lot. But man, that defense was yeah, it was bad. 
it was hard to watch. I mean, the definition of ball watch, just stick a picture of John Morant there in the dictionary because that's all he did was just ball watch on defense. And like you said, even if when his guy gets past him, uh, I heard somebody bring this point up. Even if you just run to a three-point shooter to take that off. Yeah, of just the face guard him. Yeah. Yeah, just take that off the table, man. And and he won't even he wouldn't even do that. And hopefully that's something. I don't know how Taylor Jenkins is going to navigate or is navigating that because you, you're in a place where, you know, he kind of needs the accountability. But given the state that he's in, can he can he take the criticism? Um Man, so I don't know. Uh, you you want John on the court if nothing else. I mean, in theory, if nothing else, just for you know to open up guys like Desmond Bain a little bit more, so he doesn't get as much defensive attention, stuff like that. But also, if he's gonna play like that on defense, he, I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> I hate to say that. I hate to say that. But the defense was that bad. Um, yeah, it was. It was definitely definitely bad. Um, there, and I don't necessarily agree with this because I feel like if he's playing oh and he's 80 percent 90 percent playing well enough for you to put him out there I, I think he should start there is this sentiment of the Grizz fan base that said maybe they should bring him off the bench tomorrow night I don't really agree with that because I think especially if you're talking about his confidence and that being a question I, I think you want to start him because I think that's good for him mentally but but kind of what, what are your thoughts about possibly bringing him out the bench tomorrow night I've had a lot of people message me and DM me asking me do I think that would be a good idea. I, I think I would rather start. If he's going to play, I'd start him. But kind of what are your thoughts on that? I think it's an interesting concept. And if they did, it's not anything I'd be upset about. I would understand it. I think I agree with you, though. And, and to add to your points on that, I would just say that it's at the playoffs. So you're going to run into one of those starters. I mean, quite a few of those starters anyway. Like, it's not like he's going to be going up against an all-bench unit at any point. Like, AD or Braun and, and probably at least another starter or two, are going to be on the court because Darwin Ham played. And man, he plays his he plays his guys their minutes. Man, he's going he's going to play them their minutes, and so it's not like he's going to have this just super advantage. I mean, there will be some you know bench guys out there, but we've seen their bench players play well. So I'm just not sure you get a ton of advantage in that. Other than that, again, it's going to catch the Lakers off guard, but it's going to do that if you start them. I mean, no matter where you put them, just having him be a factor or not is going to throw a monkey wrench into some of the plans if you're a Lakers fan. I mean, if you're if you're the Lakers trying to plan against the Grizzlies. So, yeah. Um, yeah, not upset about the concept, but I think I do lean towards starting them. And I think you're right. I mean, you, you probably do get a more passive job coming up. Well, I don't know. There's a case for both. There's a case that if he can eat against a bench unit, he feels more like the guy. But also, you know, I just think when it's closing time, you want him to be in a rhythm against those starters. You don't want him in closing time going up against a bunch of guys who, I mean, maybe it's just, maybe it was only LeBron and now it's LeBron and AD and it's time to close and Josh trying to do Jago get a bucket and he should have, you know, he could have learned in quarter two that that wasn't going to work, you know, that type of thing. So. Yeah, man, it'd be, man, it'd be nice to see him flip a switch and come come out there and be a, a certain sure. job that we haven't seen because he has that type of build. He's a guy sure. that could do that. Like it that's been struggling and all of a sudden just boom, he's back. He's the type of guy that has that that type of talent and that kind of mentality that 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 could happen. And I think that would definitely throw the Lakers off guard. And if we could get that job, I think that would go a long ways in them kind of pulling the upset. I think I saw last time I looked at four and a half point underdog. I, I don't know if they're assuming that Jaw's not going to play with that number. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens, but 
I'm excited about it, man. They they got to find a way to get at least one. Um, and, and again, I, I made my thoughts about tomorrow night. I feel like if they can get that one, that could really change the complexity of this series, man. But I'm ready, man. These multiple days off in between these games, man, it's tough. I'm glad it's kind of every other day going forward, not only for, for my personal game, but I, game, I think that's interest, but I think that's good for the Grizzlies uh, having LeBron and AD having to get on planes flying every other day, man. I think that's definitely uh, a, a better thing for the Grizzlies because, again, I just – AD's just one play away from injury at any time. It just looks like anytime he gets touched, it seems like he's getting up limping. He's going to the free throw line. He's bending over on his knees. He just seems like he's always one play away. And I've said this about Braun, and as soon as I say this, he's going to go off for – like we talked about 45 points tomorrow night – but I, I just don't know if he can do it cons- consistently for 40 minutes anymore. There, there are times where he's going to look like LeBron. He might have three or four minutes here and there, but there are times like, and he takes plays off. And yeah. I think he does it to conserve injury because on the defensive end, there are times where he doesn't play any defense. He right. doesn't even has no interest in playing on the defensive end. I think he does that to kind of conserve injury at times. So it, it, it's, it's, it's a fun series, man. But I, I think the Grizzlies have figured some stuff out. Uh, about this team and some ways that they can attack them. And I think that's going to lead to them finding a way to win one of these games at crypto um, either tomorrow night or on Monday night. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be, it, it'll definitely be entertaining. It is the, one of the marquee uh, uh, playoff series of, of, uh, of all of them. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where this continues to go and what else Dylan Brooks is going to have to say either way, how does the outcome, uh, but I, I guess that's it, man. Unless you have anything else, I guess we can go ahead and wrap it up. No, man, I'm sticking with my uh, original prediction, uh, Grizz in six. I'm kind of starting to feel like it might go seven. Um, I think the Grizz win if it does go seven, but I'm, I'm not going to back off of them. They say Grizz in six, especially if they win tomorrow night, man, it's Grizz in six for sure. It could be Grizz in five Yeah, um, if they win tomorrow night. So, man, I'm I'm ready, man, ready for the guys to get back out there. Like I said, man, these couple days off, man, it's been tough uh, not having Grizz's basketball. So going to be excited to see them back out on the floor on tomorrow night. Yep, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at CandiceH901. Isaac, take us home. Yeah, you can get the show uh, at Ethos Grizzlies. Uh, Make sure you go check that out. Give us a like and a follow. Uh, We'll we'll probably be having another uh, Ethos Grizzlies Twitter space here in the next several days. Uh, Really successful. Uh, First first time out on Twitter space. I think David said we had over 900 people um, in there overall. Um, I remember at one point we had about 300 people in there, so Really uh, successful, man. Thank everybody for joining us on that, man. Really had a good time. Definitely gonna gonna try to do more of those in the future. Uh, but you can find me on my personal Twitter page at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. That's I S A A C underscore underscore NBA. Uh, hopefully, man, we get a big Grizzlies victory uh, tomorrow night. That's what we're talking about on the next edition of the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. But until next time, we go.